Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcasts. Welcome to the Pilots and Petards Podcast. This is Drew. I'm the pragmatic and bleeding heart cyclops of this podcast. And I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenny of the podcast. Unfortunately, the motherfucking magical Miss Mo, master of spoilers, nobos, and pilots, is out this week. She'll be back next week. But joining us is special guest, V. <laughs> I'm V, uh, the mostly normal friend who doesn't own a TV or know any actors by name, but will occasionally watch a show if it gets enough hype. And this is a podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts, but potentially everything ado with the first episode of a filmic series. A disclaimer, petard is a word, it is a real word, it's a non-discriminatory word, and petards are bombs, French bombs. Look it up and uh, read your Shakespeare. And I was listening to a popular podcast and they made a petard reference. It made my day. Palatin Petards is a proud member of the But Why Though community of podcasts. And we would like to thank today's sponsor, GMOs, for this ad-free listening. Without GMOs, food would be more expensive, and more importantly, more people would go hungry. So go out and eat some GMOs. And uh, on that same note and token, fuck you, Crooked Media. Fuck your crooked shitty ads. And you know what? Fuck you for not engaging with our podcast feud. They're really hot right now. So get into a podcast feud, maybe with us. All right. If you want to contact us to sponsor the show or to slander your rival, we are willing to do either for money. So go ahead and reach out. And if you enjoyed today's ad-free listening, then you owe us. We could stack never-ending crooked ads and we could create sob stories as to why you need to give us your hard-earned money, but we don't. Repay your debt by telling someone else about our podcast, listening to more episodes, and or giving us some quality, constructive feedback. We'd like to thank our most faithful listener, Zero, for paying his debts. We're waiting for our other faithful listeners to do the same. And one more thing, we have uh, some, some nice feedback from another faithful listener, Fitz, also, also paying up on his debts. And he complimented us very much. He said that he was watching Beautiful Girls. And it was so sexist, it was cringeworthy. He added, listening to Pilots and Petards has helped him notice the details and be aware of sexism. That's awesome, Fitz. And hopefully you will uh, keep keep spreading. Fitz! So join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the new political military espionage thriller, Jack Ryan, will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. And so we're going to jump into the background and V... Hoistler's Choice, you're our special guest. You chose this show. What's your background with Jack Ryan? So I mentioned I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I did see that Amazon did a lot of advertising for this show. So uh, even for somebody like me who isn't, you know, normally watching a lot of shows and watching a lot of ads, I, I actually even knew about it. Um, and it's not t- the type of show I normally watch on my own, but um, my partner did ask if I wanted to watch it together, and, and I actually really liked it. Um, mostly I was curious to see if the guy from The Office uh, would do well in a different genre, and I was really impressed. I'll add, I learned with my research today, Jack Ryan is a pre-existing character, over 20 novels, most of them written by Tom Clancy, and this is technically Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, five movies. And three video games. So Jack Ryan is a well-known figure if you're a Tom Clancy nerd. I was aware of the prior movies, but when they came out, I was young, and they were not action-oriented. They were like 
espionage political oriented. Although if you watch them today, they're just corny. Yeah, they were boring as crap when I was a kid. I never understood why people liked them. A friend of mine was really into pointing out all the minor technical details of the second Harrison Ford movie about how the guy's gun changes throughout the final scene. He was like, dude, dude, look at the stock. It's not even the right stock, man, from the last shot. I was like, okay. So it sounds like they're keeping the, the tradition with um, just minor detail errors. Oh, Patard's throne. Oh, also, we have previous actors like Ben Affleck, Alec Baldwin, and Harrison Ford playing the Jack Ryan. Jimbo did a lot of research. V, would you like to hit us with that two-sentence summary of the pilot? Or sorry, listeners, one-sentence summary. V is so awesome, she doesn't even need that second sentence. <laughs> well, it's basically just the guy from The Office chasing terrorists who always seem to be one step ahead. So I guess we'll have to stay tuned to see if you should give a pile of crap. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Jimbo, why don't you talk about the part one of our podcast? Listeners, so part one is going to be spoiler-free. We are going to more evaluate the quality of the pilot. We're going to try and keep this brief so we can go into part two and get into our spoiler zone. We will cast judgment before we dive into our spoilers. So highs, lows, in-betweens. V, why don't you lead us off? I thought the high points, there. there's a plot twist. Uh, you might think it's predictable. I thought it was executed pretty well. Um, I, again, I don't normally watch uh, things in this genre, so there were some interesting episodes that that seemed a little bit absurd. Uh, one of them involves a Coast Guard helicopter. But a side note, did you know that it's somebody's job to review cinematic portrayals of the CIA to make sure it's like not too accurate? I don't think that's a, that we're in danger of that here. No. <laughs> but it was definitely something that was uh, was interesting to, to see. That is interesting. I did like the plot twist. It was cool storytelling. I agree. You know, this this was kind of an uneven pilot in terms of like highs and lows. Like the highs were fun. The lows were just a little bit annoying. So it was a little bit all over the place. But I speaking of that helicopter, I thought this pilot had very high production values. Like nothing looked really cheap. Everything like had big explosions and it looked like they were filming on location. So I liked that a lot. That was cool. It didn't look like a Teen Titan fight scene, did it, Drew? It did not. Oh my goodness. It was not in Toronto. I have watched the rest of the season, which I know we're not talking about, but there is, I think in the next couple of episodes, there is a part where um, they're eating crabs in Baltimore and I live near Baltimore and they're using Dungeness crab instead of blue crab, which I was like, that's totally not legit, uh, but you Reddit, might not know Get that. on that shit, Reddit. <laughs> what about you, Jimbo? Highs, lows, in-betweens? I really liked one of the characters. Jim's boss is is great, and we can maybe come back to him in in the second yes. part. But there's yeah, there's kind of a cliche portrayal of boss, new boss, in protagonist butting heads, which I thought was pretty annoying. But the boss stands out to me. Yeah, that is Wendell Pierce. Um, he was a really great actor on The Wire, which is definitely hitting my petardar. He was like a central protagonist all five seasons. And like it was a show about like morally great people, but he played Detective Bunk Moreland. Bunk was always awesome. Do you like him in this? Did he actually do a really good job in this show? Or is it because you like him from a previous or another show? The nostalgia boner was strong. Are you talking to me or Drew? Sorry. Both. Both. 
I didn't recognize him. I actually thought he was the guy from the office at first. I, like, I wasn't sure. Oh. If he- <laughs> oh, his office reunion. No, just Jim. So then your nostalgia boner for office was like getting in there. But I don't like the office. <laughs> well, that's great. He plays a really different character in The Wire. Um, I've seen him in a couple other things. I think he's great. So maybe I just like him as an actor. I don't think he did anything particularly different in this portrayal, but I don't think this show is like really trying to like, you know, break out of any boxes or anything. I think it's just trying to be like a cool show with some fun action and some interesting twists. This character actually has additional twists to him um, that you'll learn about in, in a later episode. What about you, Jimbo? I think similar to last week with the Haunting Hill House, we have way too much exposition and setting up and a really slow start i feel like the second half was really strong they could have easily once again could have easily just started in the middle of the show there's so many scenes that you can literally take out that do nothing for the pilot i'll say this i like how they kind of gave jim's whole backstory via like clips you know when like you know his boss well but the flashback but also when his boss was looking at his personnel file Mm -hmm. it was just a bunch of information Hold on, you're talking about Jack. Jim is his boss. Jim's the Jim's the boss. Jim is John Krasinski. Jim is John Krasinski. And I will refer to him as Jim oh from The gosh. Office. Stop. This is, is going to get too All right, Jack, it was cool to get – you're right. Okay, it was cool to get Jack's backstory just through like a couple of clicks. So I was like, that's enough. And they did give a lot more information about him. It could have just been that. So it wasn't all boring exposition dumping. I liked that one scene where it was just like him clicking on a computer because I was like, cool. That's, sometimes that's how I do Wikipedia. Yeah, that came in the second half. Uh, you're right. It takes a while to set up. Um, I would say that the other episodes are pick up a lot faster. They're exposition dumping too much. I, I can't believe pilots are still doing this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's common. I know. <laughs> There's another way to do it, but I think, I don't know, I think some shows try and copy Lost and it never quite comes off as successfully. But even Lost was a bunch of exposition dumping, too. It was, yeah. Can we start just throwing down low points now? Jimbo, I know you hated it, but I thought the lingo was cool. I thought how little they informed was kind of cool. <laughs> I understand that you went to the internet and you asked the internet. That's always a bad idea. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know if that's ever enhanced any of my experiences by asking the internet things, especially about medical advice. This is the guy that gets all his opinions from Twitter, so... I know my opinions are like horrifying now. Like I just stop myself and be like, not everyone is terrible. Like on Twitter and I don't get them from Twitter, man. I spread my opinions via Twitter. Funny how Drew spreads his opinions on the internet and I get all mine from the internet. Guys, I make my own opinions. Oh, V makes her own (laughs) opinions. Not on Reddit, not on Twitter. (laughs) The fact that enough people are like nitpicking now means that, we, it's kind of in our cultural lexicon to talk about like espionage and the State Department and intergovernmental agency stuff because they didn't really explain what Treasury is. And they didn't really explain that he was saying Thank he worked at the State God. Department because he works at the CIA. <laughs> well, it was cool. I just thought they like skipped some steps and that, yeah, there was some exposition dumping in terms of the character, but not in terms of like his job, which it's fiction, dude. I imagine they made it more interesting than it actually is. V, where are you at? What are, where are we at? Are we at low points? Yes. We're past low points. Sure. We just kind of roll with it. We're not necessarily, yeah. Oh, I guess my only low point was, it's weird for me to say these things back to back. This show, I feel like, tried to be a little more nuanced or a little smarter than I think it was, because I think it still ended up being pretty simplistic in terms of who the good guys and the bad guys were. 
in some ways it's a post 9-11 political drama, but in other ways it's mission accomplished post 9-11 terrorist drama. Not a lot of like moral grayness, even though there's a little bit of the show that pays homage to that. Jimbo, you look at your race, say something. It seemed like they were trying to be politically correct about how they were going to depict these these villain Arabic people. But it just it came off as I had a hard time figuring out exactly how I felt about it as well. At, at the end of it, it just felt really cliche. Like they tried to humanize him, a, but kind of failed. And I can't exactly qualify why. Here's one of my low points. And this is part of why I don't watch the genre too much. Um, I think all of these stories end up being very similar. It's kind of this cyc- uh, cyclical, you know, war. War stories typically are some sort of cyclical, you know, stream of violence. It's like, hey, like you did something to my family, and now I'm going to plot revenge on you, and then now you're going to hunt me down. You know, this story ended up being the same. I've read a couple of novels that follow this same or similar plot. I've seen a number of movies. So it, to me, that's that's part of what draws me away from this kind of genre, because it's it's fairly predictable. I'm going to add a couple more lows. I feel like Jack's character is really cliche. He's a little bit like James Bond. We can come back to this because I'm not sure if he's actually smart or not. He's supposed to be smart, but may- maybe he's not so smart. And then the other thing is there's there's a military battle. And kind of everything about the military aspect of it is so bad. And we can maybe come back to this as well. But Why don't you tell us one thing? They said so a forward operating base is called a FOB. They set up their fob in a hole that you can't see out of. So they can't see that there's like 15 trucks coming because they're inside a little hole. That would never happen. On top of that, their barricades are set up directly in front of their gate, which would never happen. They would be like hundreds of yards or at least 100 yards out. They'd be very far out. And so those two things like right off the bat are just really standard that would prevent this attack from ever happening. And they bring in dead bodies and no one even scans them or looks at them would never happen either especially in today like that that may have happened 30 years ago but probably not like even in vietnam they would have caught that let me ask you this real quick because i watched it with that amazon x-ray thing on so sometimes when i touch the screen it like told me things amazon x-ray told me it was like a dark site and it said that a dark site is like where they do like spies do illegal shit where no one knows well my question was are fobs dark sites i didn't know if they could no, do no, both. no 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 oh then i think it was a dark site Fine, it's a dark side, but it's not like out of the main base. It's like outside of the main base. There, those plot points are there, so there can be a battle, which that would have never happened. Here's another low point. I think I'm kind of okay. I mean, I kind of touched on most of them, I think. So, Hoistlers, we're now going to hit the part of the show, the MVP that is the most valuable part. Sometimes it's a player, but sometimes it's just a part. My most valuable part has been mentioned. It was the kind of cyclical storytelling that V talked about, how there's a plot twist. Just by the nature of thematic storytelling, you know that something introduced early is going to get answered later. And so this show still does it in a satisfying manner, and it was still very interesting the way it did it. So that was my MVP. I like how um, the show kind of sewed up this dangling thread in the first episode. Actually, mine's pretty much Drew's. It wasn't like a a show turning twist for me. It was just more like a satisfying understanding. That sounds good. Kind of reminded me of Killing Eve, like the protagonist and the antagonist passing by each other very early. I like I like that. You know, you don't have to delay like satisfaction and gratification to like eight episodes in. 
V, how about you? What's your most valuable part of the show? I didn't realize that's what that stood for. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> I didn't know what you wrote down either. I was <laughs> I like, no I was like, V is smart. I thought, I thought you just meant like your favorite part. Yeah. Of the pilot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite part of the pilot, V? Uh, that still works, what you wrote. Uh, now everyone wants to know what you wrote. My favorite part, actually, I really like Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> There's a bit of Hannibal Lecter behavior in this episode, so it's kind of gross, but uh, I kind of enjoyed it. Okay, yeah, now I'm finally catching on. Yes, that's an MVP. And now, Hoisters, we're going to move into the moment before the moment we've all been waiting for. Is V going to rewatch this series? Is Drew going to watch this series? Because I am not going to watch this series. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Um, it's because Jimbo's a hater. Oh, bam! Yep, I might watch. Um, I still need to watch some more Haunting Hill House. Um, Jimbo's making fun of me because I'm watching Daredevil in the background. Have you watched Pose? Pose costs Pose costs money, man. Like right now, my shows are like Bob's Burgers, The Good Place, and that might be it. So hoister, so, sorry, V hoisters. Drew gave me a really hard time. For not watching Married with Children. He's got like a stack of five pilots that he said he was going to watch. And he hasn't watched any of them. So You can give me a hard time for that, dude. That's fine. Like, why does my behavior affect your behavior? I'm just saying stop saying you're going to watch shows if you're not. That's that, <laughs> that was the whole point of it. Sorry, V. Go ahead. Jump in there. So as somebody who doesn't really watch shows, I would recommend this one because it's pretty short. Um, it keeps your attention. It's definitely entertaining to watch. This is a show that I'll probably continue to watch moving forward. Nice. Okay. And so now, Hoisters, the moment you've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist, that is the question. And for any new listeners, this is where we cast judgment. Drew, what's what's hoist mean? If, if you are hoisted on your own petard, it means you were blown up by your own bomb. An ambitious pilot, poorly executed, is often blown up by its own hubris. Whereas if you're not hoisted... You avoid those dangerous explosions that happen to too many pilots. And Jimbo, I feel like I know where you're at, but I'll tell you where I'm at. This is a not hoist. This was fun. It's halfway between Homeland and 24. It's like a smart 24. What's your problem, Jimbo? This was fun. Cynical. The start is too slow. I am hoisting it. All right, then. You're very important here, V. You're going to break this tie. Uh, I, I still don't fully understand this terminology. I'm I'm going to go side with Drew. Not hoist. There you go. You understand it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good enough that I ended up watching the rest of the season. I actually recommended it to my father-in-law. He he binged it all in one evening. So. Oh, wow. That guy's got a lot of time on his hand. He does. That's a different story, though. Go ahead and announce it, Drew. All right. So by split decision, this is a not hoist. No explosion sound. Part two. We're going to spoil everything in this section. We will spoil everything in this section. That's true. And so now we are going to move into the Mo Zone. This is our part two. Spoilers are coming out the bag, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start off with our Crab Man, and then we're going to move into our filmic analysis and interpretation. Drew, you want to hit the new listeners with what a Crab Man is? Hey, girl. Hey, Crab Man. Crabman, named after the minor but important character from My Name is Earl. You liar. What? He's not minor, but anyways, go. In the pilot he is. You, you messed up the cadence there, but okay. So a Crabman Award is a small role that plays a big part in the pilot. Maybe not a featured character, maybe not a featured player, but just getting in there and using the most of what they got. 
A crab man could be a crab man, a crab woman, a crab sidekick, a crab ex. Not a crab sentient robot, but definitely a crab bureaucrat. For show. Who is your crab ex person this time? My crab pilot. Oh. <gasps> pilot! Pilot yep. Homegirl in the helicopter that steps up and takes Jack's car home for him because... You know how pissed off he'd be? You come home from Yemen, you're stabbed, you know, you almost die, and you got to go back to that asshole's house to get your car. So, hell yes, crab pilot, bringing Jack's car home for him. That bro got him towed. He would have towed him. <laughs> he probably would have, actually, so, especially since he didn't get any stock advice. V, do you have a crab man nominee? Yeah, probably the boss. the boss's boss. You know, the tension between them is is interesting, um, and, and I think that'll show up a little bit later. Uh, but there's definitely some um, antagonism there. That was one of those scenes that I felt did absolutely nothing for the pilot. Maybe it does something for the series. There's definitely some stuff behind him. I think it does something for the character. I think it does something for Greer. I think you're right, and I and I totally agree with you, Jimbo. I When I watched it again, I thought, I don't remember this scene. Why is this scene here? So I agree that could have been cut. When when he comes in and like they make some comments about him and then and then he meets up with the guy in Yemen and they talk about how he had to move from the field to the office. I mean, they already established it three times in the pilot, three different times. We don't need to have like this this cliche conversation between these two heads. So unfortunately, V, I'm gonna say he's not he's not a crab man, dude. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Drew? We talked about Jack having like you know just very few flaws and being kind of a boring character i think that the the treasury analyst who very obviously has a crush on jack he uses her like that's scummy you know he like has his stupid hunch that his boss quickly disavows him of like you're not that smart you shouldn't have done that this is why you're dumb and he uses her and like i hope she realizes like you know he's a dick that yeah. was the only kind of interesting thing he did. Otherwise, he was just kind of boring the whole episode. Yeah, that was pretty messed up. She sucks too, man. It's it's <laughs> so cliche. She's so annoying. For one, she has to be a smart person to have that job. And the fact that she's going to fall for such a for such a ruse, no way. And then this this is the character's main flaw. For one, he's not intelligent enough to convince his boss that they need to to go after this serious threat. This, this this is an example of crappy dialogue and just not really being that clever of a show. Yeah, there is some weird characterization because, like, I keep coming back to those moments where everyone in his office tells him to, like, shut up or not do something. At one point, it just kind of becomes cartoonish where, like, it seems like every time he makes eye contact with someone, they're like, no, shut up. <laughs> no. It happens. Does it happen three or four times? I thought they were getting back to those office roots, man. I know. I was like, oh, is this funny? And I was like, it's not supposed to be. <laughs> okay. So, V, what do you think? Let's give it to the crab pilot, man. Come on. She earned it. You're just saying that because you want to win the crab band this week. And I'm saying it because... I think it's the analyst. Wow. Well, it sounds like two against one. Yep. Somebody's getting boxed out. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. She doesn't do much, so that's good. Dorian, a week from today, Shrek Breath will be on your side because he always is. Because he knows he knows his crab people. Fair enough. But by V, why don't you announce this one? The Crab Man Award? Yes. Goes to the analyst. Crab sounds. 
All right, Hoisters. So now we we are going to come back to a couple things I've already brought up because now they're really itching me. We are going to go into our literary analysis of the pilot, the plot, and or the characters. So let's so let's jump into old Jack. Is he smart or is he dumb? I think he's kind of dumb. He's supposed to be smart, but this is one reason he's smart. He answers two questions from Jeopardy. Is that really why we have to watch him watch Jeopardy? Or is it because he's that much of a loser? He also rides his bike with 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 headphones in which is okay i mean i you know i do that as well but you know what i'm very very careful when i ride my bike around i tried to rewatch that scene who is at fault i couldn't figure it out the guy opens the car door yes v's right he's at fault but if you're a cyclist unless it's the first time you've ever ridden a bike in a new city or, or in a city in general you know people's doors can swing out you like i find it hard to believe that he's a cyclist and he doesn't know that someone's door in a busy city can swing open at any time. Jimbo, you're a helmet, right? More often now, yeah. But when I was younger, I never wore a helmet. Lulu got Lulu got hit, and he is alive because he wore his helmet. Yeah. You know, young young people are stupid, and so it took me a while to grow up on that one. Just checking in on you, bud. I don't know. They're they're still laying a lot of groundwork to make him seem smart. I mean, yeah, they, they call him a doctor at three different times, too. One time it made me laugh when they, when he says he's a doctor in economics and the guy just, like, deadpans him in the desert. That was funny to me. In the in the books, Tom Clancy's real Jack Ryan had a, had a PhD in history. It's a worthless PhD. Which would have fit a lot more with his character. But then he wouldn't be working at the CIA. Exactly. Well. The final word, Jack Smart, Jack Dumb, go. That's an interesting question. I don't. I think it's hard to tell from from the pilot. I mean, I know Jimbo's hitting on the the whole custom SQL line that he saw on Reddit, but as somebody who actually <laughs> knows SQL and uses SQL, I will. Well, say that's why that... I didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna let you get away with that. Okay, though. nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, we talked about this off mic, obviously. <laughs> Go ahead, V. No, but but like but like elaborate on that. So essentially, Jimbo is saying what he found on Reddit was people were given jack shit for saying, I wrote a custom SQL uh, uh, query. However, you know, yes, all SQL queries are custom. But like, even when you're using a platform like Tableau, which is like a data analysis, data visualization software, you know, they say like, you can add your own custom SQL series. Uh, query into into whatever workbook you're working on so it's i think the two go together like as a term the point is that it's not a very advanced program that he's using no it's not it's not it's the most basic he's smart because he took data that already existed and put it into his own custom thing that you don't need a phd in economics to use (laughs) <laughs> well, essentially what he's saying is he's linking different databases together um, so that they can have a more holistic picture or track. Basically, he's joining several distinct databases that don't normally collaborate. And he's using them to uh, get a bit better understanding of what's happening with the finances that he's tracking. Yeah, I, I just feel like someone in the actual CIA with a PhD in economics. Yeah, they would, yep. I agree. So, I mean, so, like, that's, like, the show just grabbing some things and trying to sound smart with them. I was calling it lazy writing because they probably just found the first thing and just went with it. I like this other 
literary analysis one, Jimbo, because it comes back to some of our MVPs. Like, how much do we like the antagonist? Because I like how you use the term antagonist there instead of like villain, because that scene that's kind of cyclical. I mean, I was trying to figure it out the whole show. The scene at the beginning with the brothers and the bombing comes full circle by the end. Because I like, to me, the mystery wasn't where does Suleiman come from? Because I was like, obviously, it's somehow related to this event that doesn't relate to any other parts of the show and that's set in the past. So to me, it was kind of like, you know, how is this, you know, scene going to tie back to who Suleiman is? And the way they did it, I liked it, you know, because there was just enough foreshadow and I thought it was clever. And the, the use of the scars, that was my that was my MVP. I really liked the, how it came back to uh, the, the scars on his hand. And then he like he was honest about that. He said it happened when he was a boy. So it's also it also maybe comes back to that Hannibal Lecter kind of uh, m- maybe dynamic, too, with with uh, whoever the, the detective is in that story. So I personally like the antagonist a lot more. I like I like Solomon. I like his wife. I like them when they're brothers. And. I'm pretty sure that the story's going to be pretty straightforward as far as them not being good guys. But I like this idea that, that Americans aren't always right because we aren't. Yeah, I mean, it seems like kind of predictable that like they're going to like follow along parallel moral paths. And at some point, Suleiman and his brother are going to like compromise when Jack doesn't. And then that'll make it just enough in Jack's favor that we'll still root for him when he kills those guys. And like they keep stacking him against Bin Laden. He's 20 times greater than Bin Laden. He's 20 times greater than Bin Laden. Like, just another just lazy writing. Where are you at, V? Well, why, why is that? What is, I guess, explain why, what your problem is with that. Instead of actually developing him to be worse than Bin Laden, they just keep saying he's worse than Bin Laden. It's, it's lazy. In terms of, like, he's raised more money than Bin Laden? That's their thing they keep stack, stacking him up against. And they keep saying, like, it's going to be another Bin Laden. It's going to be another Bin Laden. But I think that that's a fair point because that's okay. how you draw it to how does it affect me as an American is, like, we all associate Bin Laden with the events of 9-11. And so nobody's going to care if it's something that happens in Yemen, right? If he blows up a bunch of people in Yemen, no one's going to care. But if you're talking about American lives, that's when people will give a shit. How possible is it that he's maybe just like buying oil or doing like illegal trades or something yeah in yemen why in yemen like people's he might just be doing the transactions from yemen i don't know that's what i mean this was a serious question i actually don't know the answer i mean that's what i think makes it fishy is that like yemen is such like a hostile state right now in terms of like even to its own citizens and like it's still in like that really terrible struggle with saudi arabia and it's like kind of being manipulated by outside forces. I think that the fact that it's all funneling through Yemen and in Yemen kind of gives it like the connotation that it's very much like terror related. Well, but that's also the perfect place to probably get away with shady business transactions as well. They probably benefit terrorist states. Or benefit anyone that just wants to make a lot of money without being regulated or known about. Mm. There's still probably a big element of danger. Oh, there's yeah, there's huge risk, of course. Yeah, but then I think that would inherently tie it to, like, something that is, like, risky itself. You know, like, yeah, there's big risk, big reward, but also, like, who are the people that need to, like, do a countless tracking? And also, like, on the x-ray, apparently the National Bank of Yemen is a myth. That's not an actual bank. Man, Yemen's it's rough there right now. That sucks. Yeah, what did you guys think about the them just picking up the two dudes? So they So they pick up the bad guy. They're actually able to get him. Let's maybe come back to, to Is Jack Smart to that as well. So 
his his boss kind of puts him in his place and then he goes around his boss i think this is why another reason why he's not he's not smart because his boss jim jim greer does the right thing like he he's on his first day he just got demotion and he's just gonna go out on a limb for some like like dragon like chasing a dragon on his first day hell no dude yeah i mean the pilot does prove that you know greer is smarter and it yeah, I would say smarter and makes better decisions. Jack Ryan, the character, I think one of his flaws is that he is impulsive when he believes that there is a moral, like a high ground to be taken. Um, and so you see that a couple of times in this episode and you see that throughout the episode. So that's definitely one of his shortcomings is that he's such a good guy. And it's like alluded to when, when the um, at the fancy party, you know, it's like, oh, you're being a good Boy Scout or whatnot um that's that's a common theme for him and that is something that ends up being both a good and a bad thing for him they do use that phrase repeatedly yeah which kind of goes to jimbo's point of not great writing what do you guys think about his wife solomon's wife yeah yeah i like her she's she's a very interesting character for me i kind of i had this like weird suspicion that like solomon wasn't real and that she was solomon and that was why she was kind of weirded out at the beginning with some random dude being there but then by the end of the show, I was like, okay, like Suleiman is like a real person. But I thought that would have been an interesting take. Hmm. Like if she was like the head of like the terrorists themselves, because that would have been a little bit different than other stereotypes. Maybe she still is. You're right. <laughs> well, not not according to the pilot. But yeah, maybe maybe she is the brains behind all of it. I am good on literary analysis. So we are going to move to our Put It Anywhere Guys quest for the best and worst pilots ever. We are going to place the pilot episode for Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan into our pre-existing list, which is live. You can go to our website and check it out. 54 pilots on there. 54 pilots. I definitely think it's lower than Haunted Hill House that we watched last week. I think that they, they both are similar in the fact slow starts and strong finishes. That's true. They are similar in that way. What did you think, though, Drew? Did did you like if you had to watch the second episode of Haunting Hill House tomorrow or Jack Ryan? What's it? Jack Ryan. Really? Just because you you afraid of the dark or what? No, 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 no. I thought you said I was finishing your sentence, but thank you for insulting yeah. me. <laughs> you know, if it's those two up against each other, I would say Haunting of Hill House. But I kind of want to watch Jack Ryan more than Alias Grace. The list is flawed, as we have acknowledged. But um, I think Jack Ryan goes above Castle Rock. I I could sandwich it in there. Okay, so above Castle Rock, below Haunting of Hill House. Have you watched that? Or you don't have Netflix? Okay. You can have my password. Isn't that the cool scary one? Yes. I don't watch scary ones. It's not really scary. It's it's terror, as we learned last week. I don't watch terror. Okay, th- okay then that's fine. You wouldn't like it. All right, then I'm cool with that. Let's uh, go with the new number 26. It's a top-heavy list. Okay. Part three. We're moving to part three. This is where we're going to talk about some things that are outside of the pilot, but still related to the themes of the show or some series. Um, so to the stage right now, the Stormy Daniels, Dangling Swords of Interest. True. do we have any news? Uh, maybe something happened. It was a terrible news week. There was, like, a lot of domestic terrorism, so we did not keep up with Stormy Daniels. Stormy will be back next week, listeners. I hope so. No worries. Oh, jeez. New listeners, these are some dangling threads of interest. These are some things that we just thought about. Here's my dangling thread of interest. 
this is interesting to me because as Jimbo noted and as V talked about, you know, this is a character from the 1980s from the Cold War era. And I feel like it's been kind of unsuccessfully rebooted as some 1980s things have in a post 9-11 world. So what did you guys think of the the politics of Jack Ryan? Because to me, it kind of came off as like apolitical. Say more. Just like you said, it kind of hedged its bets on both sides. It kind of pretended like, you know, Jack was uncomfortable with the quote unquote, like torturistic aspects, but it also didn't really confront those ideas either. Yeah, maybe maybe that's at least part of the aspect that I was unclear about. What do you think, V? I don't really think a show like this needs to take kind of bring politics into it. I think that they're deliberately trying not to. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I, I definitely don't think every single show needs to take a strong pol- political side. Well, no, V. I get what you're saying too. It doesn't need to, and maybe if you look at it through the lens of it not trying to, it's more fun. Like he, they, I think you want to. They want to unite people behind the fact that Jack Ryan is the protagonist, and then the other people are the antagonists. So I think it's more. They're trying to make it more black and white, like like you guys mentioned earlier. And in theory, the CIA and the FBI are not supposed to be political. I mean, in theory. So what about the reboots, though? I don't know. I mean, it kind of seems like it was like a simpler time before nine eleven, and so it could be like rambo like blowing up an enemy base but just like you said like now it kind of seems like with terrorism and enemy states and like jack ryan doesn't know it's the bad guy when he's talking to him because everything is like with names and bank accounts and stuff and some people kind of think james bond doesn't work anymore the bad guys in james bond aren't the bad guys they used to be so what are you saying about reboots just that things were easier when countries fought other countries in like the 1980s whereas like now when you have like stateless terrorism you kind of have to include that scene about like where terrorism comes from, which this show does. It's just kind of less clear about how to fight that. But the thing is, just like V said, this is still a show that wants to be black and white and simple and not political, but kind of just by the nature of like who the bad guy is, the show kind of has to explain itself. What do you think? I'm confused. I think the 80s movies are just not that good. Are they just bad? Okay. That's an option too. Maybe that's real. I mean, the nostalgia is real, and, and we all love them because we grew up on them, but they're not that good. Like, I mean, the first Rambo is pretty good, but all the other ones are kind of just violent, trashy movies. The first Rambo is good. Yeah. Is the reboot of Rambo any different than the old one? Is there a reboot of Rando? Yeah, they just made a Rambo within the last five years. But is it a reboot of the original story, or is it a sequel? What is it called? A fresh start? I don't know what you call these things now. Okay, a reboot or fresh start. Yeah, okay. So, like, the Rambo was, like, a continuation. That's true. Sequel. Okay. I'm confused. Well, let's talk about Rambo. A lot of this isn't going to make it hoisters, so I don't... (laughs) don't. It's okay. There's some good Rambo casts out there. (laughs) Now, Vivian, was there any themes in the show that you think are worth our time? Because I I have a couple, of course, that are more personal. No, go for it. Yeah, get in there. I wasted our time. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so I have I have some personal stories, and we can kind of go either way. You want to do both of them? Sure. Okay. We used to go visit my aunt and uncle during the summer, and they would like take us to do stuff like on vacation if we got good grades. My aunt had dropped us off at at the mall. We went to the movies. We ended up going to Target, and we decided we were going to steal a bunch of baseball cards. And I got busted. 
they like took me to the back room and I guess they were like called the cops <laughs> oh and the cops are going to come. Gosh. And luckily my, my aunt showed up before took me to wherever they take How kids to get busted in the eighth or ninth grade. Like I was probably going into eighth or ninth grade. 13 year old Jimbo. Okay. Little dirt bag. <laughs> so my uncle interrogates us. He, he isolates he isolates me, my brother, and my cousin. He cranks the music up so loud, and we're all in separate rooms. And then he calls us each one to one to go into the into the kitchen. And dude, he just starts screaming at us. And of course, like round one, we all lie. Our stories make absolutely no sense. He sends us back. He brings us back again. Round two, like just screaming at us, like yelling at us. And it took me years later to realize that like. I asked my parents if they knew about that because I, I, I just uh, – as a kid, I never even brought it up or asked them about it. I just like assumed that like it was cool. But now like as an adult and looking back, I'm like, dude, you can't interrogate people's kids. And my parents had no idea. He didn't even ask them. <laughs> but uh, my uncle was in Vietnam so like – and he was a correctional officer. So he oh. just like like super intense just like – just goes at us hardcore and we're all isolated with the blaring music we can't even talk and discuss our stories and so uh <laughs> Wait, was johnny there yes oh god honest john was there dude yep and i guess it was my fault we we had done some shoplifting on a previous mall visit and i think we didn't want to let them know about that either so yeah so it's like these 13 year olds trying to lie and like give a, the least amount of information available but eventually i just like said that it was all my fault which it, it kind of which i guess in some way it was my fault hey jimbo question for you at that yeah. age were you still going trick-or-treating um no no i wasn't good job jimbo all okay. right drew has this thing against older kids who trick-or-treat he wants to put up a whole sign saying if you're taller it's an arch then you can't come to my house <laughs> which i think is super curmudgeonly yeah i think that's awesome and i hope they they trick his ass because that's what i would do <laughs> Yeah, you'd, you'd rather up have toilet to, paper to, uh, in his house. Some, yep, TP and eggs all up in your house, bro. Tori lives in fear of us getting tricked. So she <laughs> You're going to get tricked, completely bro. Completely objects. I no think if one, you put up an asshole sign like that, you will absolutely. I don't think it's an asshole sign. I work with 11-year-olds. I work with 6th graders. The light and magic of Halloween has left their eyes. They only care about candy. They're not doing it for altruistic reasons. Who does Halloween for altruistic reasons? Children. Children who no, enjoy dressing up and enjoying no, the magic. No, no. Children enjoy candy. Yeah, come and on, And dressing Drew. up. No. Yes. Dude, your middle schoolers and high schoolers love dressing up. I love dressing up. That's Halloween's my favorite holiday, dude. The only yeah. holiday I probably enjoy besides Thanksgiving. You know who didn't enjoy dressing up today? Your child. She you did. know who she really enjoyed dressing it. her up? You. Emma, you were cute. You're going to listen to this years from now. Okay. Little Jack Ryan. I know, Little Jack Ryan. <laughs> Jimbo. You want to go to story two? Okay, yeah, comments. Comments. Yeah, I I actually like had to hold a kid back on the slide today, and I apologized profusely to the mother because <laughs> I would be horrified if someone touched my kid, let alone isolated them and used interrogation tactics to suss out the truth. Psychological warfare. And another thing that I came across today, supposedly they would play country and metal music because those musics are so American that that people from other countries aren't familiar with those styles of music so that would be like additional like america fuck yeah on top of like just really wow unfamiliar loud noise hmm. interesting so so that scene definitely reminded me of being interrogated when i was a uh, a young metal music would be really stressful in that kind of situation 
Especially if you don't understand any of the words and you've never heard metal. Imagine if you, this is the first time you've ever heard metal music. It's just screaming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm cringing thinking about it. My second stories are a lot worse as far as being kind of real. So I was a young man and I was in the Marine Corps. And for a while I was doing some security details, mostly just like resupplies. But we had we had transported a detainee that, that was captured and... I can't recall exactly why he was captured, but what but what we had been told was that he was laughing after an IED, like explosive device, blew up on the side of the road and, and almost hit a convoy. So he was nearby to that, and he was like laughing. They just grabbed him and put like covered his head, and then we had to transport him back to our counterintelligence unit. And so we were not nice to that guy. Like we were probably yelling at him and like pushing him and like probably pointing our gun at him. Like looking back, it's like really messed up because at the time I just assumed that he was a bad guy and that he deserved whatever like harms we, we may have done to him. But now like looking back, more than likely, he might have just been laughing about anything. I mean, he's he's living in Iraq, a country that's been completely destroyed. They're living in violence and fear all the time. And laughter could have maybe been a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So that's why that one scene in like the Yemeni market kind of reminded you because like, yeah, it seems like especially like a black site or with like or pragmatic power versus like perceived power. Like, yeah, like the dudes with the guns have like all the power, no matter what like the actual rules are. I mean, that's interesting that you like reflect on that and think about it even to this day. And there was an officer and he was, he's kind of like the military lawyer. He had overheard one, one of my uh, Marines. I can't remember what he said, but he said something and the officer just like went off on him and said he'd court martial him and all this other stuff because of something he said or did with the, uh, with that detainee. And I just remember thinking like that guy's an asshole and he so disconnected. He doesn't know what's going on. He's an officer. He never leaves the base, but now looking back, like that guy has a law degree and he probably, I mean, obviously he was much older than us, probably much more aware than us than in pretty much probably every aspect of what we were doing over there. And he was probably right. Would you tell him that if you knew who he was? No, that guy's a nerd. Dude. Th- yeah. That, that was the other thing too. <laughs> He was like a nerdy dude. So like, it's like, had he not, had, had he not been so nerdy, we probably would have respected him. <sighs> I had turned 21. So, so I was 21. Well, it's good that you reflect on it now. And then there's one more. Okay. So, so uh, one more, we were out doing another operation and we had a detainee and we had to stand fire watch on him. So we just had to like watch him 24 hours a day. And so my buddy was watching him in the middle of the night. And we were also like laughing about this too, but the guy was like crying the whole time and not being treated very well. And so it's the middle of the night and uh, my buddy's watching him and the guy keeps saying like, Mr. Mr. Piss, piss, Mr. Mr. Piss, piss. And so my buddy kept pointing his gun at him and being like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. And the guy kept saying it like every once in a while, like Mr. Piss, piss. And he was like crying. And so my buddy eventually pulls his pants down so the guy could take a piss. And I remember we thought that was like so weird. And we were like, dude, we were to let him piss himself. Like, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. My buddy was just like, he's like, man, I couldn't let the guy piss himself. And like looking back on that, that's really cool. Like I wish, I think that's pretty awesome that uh, it wasn't very awesome. That he's like pointing his gun at him and screaming at him all the time. But eventually he like let the guy take, take a piss. I've read there's like just a ton of stressors on people in that situation. That like, those are not situations that like human beings do well in just because of like all of the exigent stress like the stress around you in the situation and then like when you get into like individual stressors so yeah it is nice that your friend 
kind of like helped him in that moment. Yeah, all that other stuff. It's intense and you're very young. Nice that you think about those things and reflect on those things later. And that's one of the tragedies too is you – it's very easy to manipulate and convince young people to go fight these wars and then you train them. You train them to like kill and think it's awesome to go to war and kill bad guys and then when you get there, you kind of have some restraints on them or find out that it's not what you learned like during training and then obviously these people aren't really prepared. Have you guys – have you guys done Black Mirror? We haven't. Okay. There's an episode that I think you would find really interesting. It's about the military. I'll send it to you. Cool. It's very much about kind of the psycho- the psychology of warfare. We can put it in the Sardar. Well, Jimbo, thanks for sharing those stories, man. Like those... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are interesting perspective pieces. And also, like, they're very relevant to what we watch, too. So what we're learning is that you were kind of a punk as a kid. Uh, and now you're a better human being. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like there was a scent. You know, it sounds like you're on the way up, Jimbo. That's the right direction. Yep, going the right direction. That's all that matters. Me and Fist showing showing uh, the Eagle Point alumni can grow. It's a good podcast. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's jump in our Petardar. And so, listeners, the Petardar are recommendations for listeners based on the pilot viewing experience. I'll go first because I talked about it. The Wire is a really cool show, um, and you should watch it. You know, you can get it off Amazon. You can get it from your library. You can get it from HBO. It is very dense, and it's very cool. So go watch The Wire. And also Zero Dark Thirty is another um, movie about kind of terrorism stuff and bin Laden. So I like it. I think it was cool and interesting. So I'm going to add another one that's about terrorism, and it's Rendition, and it has Jake Gyllenhaal. It's an excellent movie, and it kind of goes into the the whole, do interrogations actually produce any quantifiably good thing? And the movie kind of sends you home with, like, probably not. And I think that's maybe closer to the reality that other movies and pop culture would lead us to believe. Yeah, I mean, the 2014 Senate subcommittee that did examine the intelligence and the actionable intelligence like from the two conflicts after 9-11, kind of came to that same conclusion. This pilot reminded me of a novel that I read recently, or actually I listened to on audiobook. It's called Pilgrim, um, and it's it follows a similar plot line, but in much more detail. It's called I Am, either I Am Pilgrim or Pilgrim. All right, so Hoistler's now we're getting into part four, which Jimbo calls the fun part of the podcast, which makes me think that he didn't enjoy the last 65 minutes, but that's fine, okay, because I kind of did. So this is where we're going to crown our petard champion, and right now that champion is Jacob. He's talking all kinds of Jay via the internet, via the Twitter, via the Reddit, via the Facebook, and we just need to shut that down. So Jimbo, you're taking on Viv tonight. If Viv beats you, we'll bring her back on to take on Mo, because Moe's the number one contender. And I hope Mo isn't out because she's afraid of Jake Williams. Mo, I hope you're out there training. We need you bring bring back that belt. Bring that belt back. And and honest, John, let's uh let's get some belt over here, man. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna have to call him. It's supposed to be in route, but it's it's been in route for several weeks now. Been in route, yeah, I imagine so. Okay, so here's the format of Petard trivia. Um, I will ask a series of questions. I will be much better this week at letting you know if there are multiple choice questions beforehand. Um, sometimes it's a closest answer and sometimes I am the judge, but my voice is the final voice. 
Um, we do have a sixth question, which is a tie-breaking question, but we should get this done in five. Jimbo's buzzer sounds like... Metal. Okay. And V's buzzer sounds like... Wee, wee, wee. Right. Those are two distinct noises. So the first question is multiple choice. Who played the original Jack Ryan the first Metal. time it came to screen? All right. No choices for you. Who? Harrison Ford. Do you want to hear the answers? No. V? I'll just... No. I'm not going to pretend I know. Well, it's multiple choice. You have a one in four shot. D- doesn't he already answer it, though? He gave his answer. Oh, but don't, doesn't so he So you're saying I'm wrong? You are wrong. Okay, then give me the, give me the okay. choice. I was trying not to, like, spell it out, but you're right. I guess if I'm asking you. Okay. A, Harrison Ford. B, Alec Baldwin. C, Sean Connery. D, Tommy Lee Jones. As I mentioned, I don't know the names of actors. C. Sean Connery? Yeah. You are both incorrect. Alec Baldwin played Jack Ryan in The Hunt for Red October. Yes. Interesting. First one. Dang it. All right. Number two. No point. No one on the board. Also multiple choice. What iconic 1982 hit song is playing in a Lebanese brother's room at the beginning of the episode? A. 99 Luft Balloons. B. The Safety Dance. C. Take On Me. Or D. Come on Eileen. Metal. Go ahead. B. You are correct. It's the safety dance. Jimbo, there's an, there's an opportunity for a bonus point. Which Ooh. artist recorded the safety dance? Uh, I don't know. I know it's that band you like, isn't it? Um, I only know one song from this band, as most people. Jimbo, you get the point, and the band was Men in Hats. I guess that's a band I like. Okay. <laughs> so question number three, and this is a closest answer. What is the name of the type of boat that Jack is in at the beginning of the episode? Metal. Go. Can I say canoe? Canoe. Okay. Closest answer. There... I know the name, but I can't think of it. You should take a guess, because Jim was yeah. closer if you don't guess. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I got nothing. Okay, well, the correct answer is a skell. It's a skell, because it's a one-person crew boat. I'll take that point. Jimbo gets a point. <laughs> so Jimbo's up two to zero. Oh. Uh, well, I never said I was good at trivia. So, <laughs> Vivian, you are one of like my mo- much smarter friends. I'm on a hot streak, Vivian. This this can be my second straight win. If you get the next point, well, this is not fair because for one, she's falling asleep. I can see her nodding off. She is an East Coaster, and she definitely is very apathetic towards this prestige competition. Number four. I'm glad I just have a. Uh... Custom SQL on my on my Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can run this data after we're done, Dave. Okay, or sorry, V. All Tarts. right, I'll leave you to your Reddit. Tart's thrown. <laughs> yes, yes. The game's not over yet. Number four, multiple choice. Well, hey, let's make it worth two points, man. Let's make it fun. Okay, yes, yeah, one's uh, worth two points. Oh, <laughs> multiple choice. She shoulder shrugs. It, it it doesn't show up on the audio. <laughs> oh, I caught it through it because there's a lot at two that shoulder shrug. Okay, worth two points. Where does Jack work in the CIA? Multiple choice. A. TCAF, Terrorism Capabilities Arms and Finance Division. B. TSIP, Terrorism Capitalism Infrastructure and Probability Division. C. TFAD. Terrorism, Metal. finance, and arms. C. You're right, V. It is C. Two points. Two points. We're tied. I definitely buzzed in first, but that's fine. Make it interesting. Okay, there you go. 
I was buzzed in louder. So. <laughs> She's sitting next to me too. Don't know if that's the the rules that we agreed on beforehand, but I think it was a tie. And Jimbo, I didn't, I didn't would the tie you. go to the guests? I I heard him, but I think it was a it's tie. It's not a tie. Anyways, the audio doesn't lie. Ooh, oh, good. Yeah, you know what? You're right. The audio doesn't lie. You're gonna edit it. Okay. Number five, all tied up. Number five, all tied up. Also multiple choice. Which of these actors has oh, not portrayed Dr. Jack Ryan? <laughs> A. Chris Pine. B. Ben Affleck. C. Harrison Ford. D. Matt Damon. Metal. Go. D. Matt Damon. You are correct. The game goes to Jimbo. Bummer. <laughs> All right, so Jimbo, take us on out. All right, hoisters, if you can't tell by the plugs we are about to announce, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're going to stick around for a few more minutes. We would like to thank Jake Drew for our intro and outro music. If you would like some intro or outro music, contact Jake Drew. You can find a link to him in the show notes. Also, follow our blog so you can participate in the pre-recording discussions. And you can find us all over the internet. Google search pilots and petards. We are the only thing on the internet using both of those words. Yep, we're on Twitter, and it's pilots and petards, and an N in between. But again, if you search for us, we're the only people who use those terms together. We're cool like that. Also, you can find us on butwhythepodcast.com with their community podcast, and some of my retro movie reviews are on there. V, what would you like to plug? Um, you can't put me on the spot like that. Okay. All right. Like I said, mysterious. The mysterious V. Mysterious <laughs> V. That was cool. Yeah, a little tired. It's, it's late it for East Coast. Late. We use non plumes, so Chet is your partner. Is Chet going to have to listen to the episode? Maybe. Maybe I'll make him listen. You should get Chet to subscribe. He might enjoy our lively conversations. He doesn't watch TV either, so oh. I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, I, I never watched TV before this that much. You know what? <laughs> this has not made you watch more TV, though, Jimbo. I feel like the only thing you watch... I actually is- have. Oh, really? Good. Oh, oh, you mean, oh, I mean, I, I watch more because of the pilots. No, I, uh, I, I still haven't even, I don't think I've finished episode two of Daredevil yet. Maybe tonight I'll, I'll pop on, pop on an episode. It's, um, it's good background. I've been playing some video games on the exercise bike and like inputting some like school data. And so that's what I meant when I said I'm gutting out Daredevil. Like it's something I can very much ignore. Whereas Haunting of Hill House, I have to pay attention. I feel like Jack Ryan might be somewhere in between. So I'm down for that. I like it. Watching while you're exercising. Oh, and Hoisters, if, if you're still there, remember what you owe us. Go talk to someone, Hoisters. And Shrek Breath, you're seeing a lot of patients every day. Like, I would very much enjoy it if you slipped a podcast-related health tip to a patient. And you could even plug our podcast. Yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you some business cards. I'll send, I'll send you a stack. Yeah. You guys have business cards? Not yet. About to. A lot of podcasts do have business cards because they go to like comic book conventions or pop culture conventions and you just like hand them out and other pop- podcasts hand them to you because a lot of indie podcasts are the only audience for other indie podcasts. Hmm. We, we, ha- we, our faithful listeners are very faithful. Yeah. It's, it's a weird little circle jerk community. <laughs> ah. oh. hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jimbo, you got anything? No, I think I'm good. All right, man. Every day I'm hoistling Drew out. Every day we hoistling Jimbo out. Bye.